0: On this episode of Black Girl Fun, we tell the story of 48-year-old Hattie Brown, who disappeared on May 16, 2009, from Halifax County, Virginia. The night Hattie was last seen, she picked her nephew up from a gas station and dropped him off at a party. Hattie's nephew said that the last time he saw her, she was sitting outside the party in her car. Two months later, Hattie's Volkswagen was found burned at an abandoned farm, but there was no sign of Hattie. She left everything behind, and her family says she would have not had a reason to leave on her own, and they believe something bad happened to Hattie. Thirteen years later, Hattie is still missing, and her family wants to know what happened to her. This is Hattie's story. So often, the stories of the missing center around children and young women, It's not common to hear stories about women who are in their 30s or 40s or 50s or even older. I think the stories of older women solicit less interest from the public because maybe people assume that these women either just left on their own or that their lifestyles had something to do with the missing. But for me, I'm actually the most intrigued by these stories because of their age. In almost all of the cases that I've covered of women who are missing at over 30, they all had well-established lives, had careers, built something for themselves, so they seem to be the least likely to just walk away from their lives. Also, the assumption is that the danger of being young and vulnerable is no longer there, so when they go missing, it's such a shock, especially to those that know them best. When Hattie Brown went missing in 2009, that's exactly how her family and friends felt—shocked. According to them, nothing about Hattie's disappearance made sense, and it was completely out of character. She would have never just left without telling anybody. And the fact that she left everything behind, including her beloved Chihuahua, was proof that Hattie did not plan to leave. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of information about Hetty's disappearance, so This won't be a very long episode, however, it's a story, like all of the stories of missing people, that deserves to be told. Even if the information that we have is scarce, attention to the story may help. So I won't be before you long this week, but it's important to understand that Hattie's life mattered, and so her disappearance mattered too. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The hardest part about telling stories that don't get a lot of attention is the lack of information. But I do it anyway, and I will continue to do it the best way that I can. Hattie Brown was born on September 21, 1960, and she spent her young life in Halifax County, Virginia. She was raised by her parents, Adolphus and Emma Brown, and grew up in a very large, close-knit family. There were 12 siblings in all, and Hattie was the youngest girl, the 11th of the 12 brown children. The family grew up on a farm, Hattie being one of the youngest children. By the time she became, you know, a young kid, her older siblings were grown and already moved out. Now, being the children of a farmer meant that everybody worked on the farm. They all had chores that included gathering eggs, milking cows, and chopping firewood for their wood-burning stove. Hattie, admittedly, wasn't the best help. She was kind of scared of animals, and she couldn't tell the difference between wheat and barley. She also was small, and so it was hard to do some of the things on the farm that her siblings could. Her father would often send her in the house to be with her mom. She seemed to be causing more damage than she was helping, and so he felt that it was better off for her to be in the house helping mom out. Her time in the house with her mom is where she learned to cook. She said that she was never as good a cook as her mom, but she was better than her sisters. As a child, Hattie wanted to be a flight attendant, but she was told that she was too small. At the time, there was a height requirement for flight attendants, which was 5'7". And Hattie, the shortest person in her family, only grew to be 5'3", although she said she always told people that she was 5'4". She clearly had dreams, and she wanted to go places outside of the farm that she had grown up in. Hattie attended Halifax High School, where she graduated in 1978. After high school, Hattie didn't go to college. For about six months after graduation, she just kind of hung out at home and watched soaps with her mom. And then she decided that she wanted to go to trade school. Now, the trade school was located in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and she stayed at the school for about six months before she left and landed a job at a shoe store. Being in Tennessee was the farthest she had been from home, but during her time, she learned that she could make it on her own. Hattie ended up staying in Tennessee for about two years, but during that time, she began to develop the urge to join the military. In an interview with her niece that I found on a website about Hattie, she spoke about her experience in the military. Hattie said that she wanted to join the military because of the excitement of it all, but she also felt a sense of pride knowing that she would be defending her country. Everything that the military had to offer intrigued her. She loved the idea of traveling the world, meeting new people, and the challenge. Now, although she could have enlisted in any branch of the military, she chose the Army. And she said that it's because that's who you think of when you think about going to war. And so in 1980, right before her 20th birthday, Hattie joined the Army. And Hattie was an excellent soldier who quickly found success in the Army. She drew the respect of her peers and the leadership. Two years after joining the Army, Hattie attended Air Assault School in Kentucky, becoming the first female in her unit to earn the Air Assault Badge. Then she attended Airborne School in North Carolina, earning her another badge. Hattie had also begun taking college classes at night while she was in the Army and earned her Associate's Degree in General Studies. Despite her success and gaining the respect of many, Being a Black woman in the Army meant that she still faced discrimination and jealousy from some men who didn't feel like she deserved to be there. Hattie, however, did not allow that to stop her from shining. In 11 years, she went from private to sergeant first class. And when the Gulf War began, Hattie was deployed to the Persian Gulf, where she served with the Patriot Unit. But... After coming home from the war, Hetty's health began to decline, and she was no longer able to do the things that she used to. Facing a medical discharge, Hetty took the early retirement offer, and after 18 years in the U.S. Army, she retired. Throughout her service, Hattie achieved many awards, including the Drill Sergeant Badge, Leadership Awards, Special Skill Identifier Ribbons, the Army Good Conduct Medal, Parachutist, the National Defense Service Medal, and the Southwest Asia Service Medal, with three Bronze Service Stars, and the Kuwait Liberation Medal. So, in 1998... After retiring, Hetty decided to come back to Halifax County to be with her siblings and to help with her mom who was having health problems. After 18 years of traveling the world and fighting in a war, Hattie's siblings were happy to have her back home. Now, after retirement, Hattie settled into her new life as a civilian. After earning her associate's degree in the military, Hattie decided to go back to school after retirement, and so she enrolled in the Danville Community College in Danville, Virginia, where she majored in medical coding and terminology. Now, not much information exists about Hattie over the next 10 years, but according to everyone in her life, she was happy and living a normal life, enjoying her family and her friends. But in 2009, all of that changed. At the beginning of 2009, Hattie had been helping to plan a bridal shower for her brother's fiancé, who had asked Hattie to be a maid of honor. All of the sisters had been planning the shower, and everyone was looking forward to the bridal shower and the wedding. In May 2009, according to Hattie's sister, she had begun helping her nephew, Derek. As someone who loved her family and was always there to help if she could, it was not out of the ordinary that Hattie would be helping her nephew. Now, it's not clear what kind of help Derek needed or what was going on with him at the time, but Derek was 30 years old, so he wasn't like a kid who needed help from his aunt, but clearly something was going on, and Hattie, being the kind of person that she was, stepped up to help him. In the early morning hours of May 16th, 2009, Hattie received a call from her nephew Derek asking her to pick him up at a Sheets gas station that was located outside of the town of South Boston in Halifax County. Now, going out of the house at that time was not something Hattie would have normally done. I mean, it was after 2 a.m. We don't know what Derek said to his aunt about why he needed to be picked up at that hour from a gas station, but... Hattie left her home and got into her silver Volkswagen Jetta and drove to meet her nephew. Surveillance footage captured images of Hattie's silver Volkswagen at around 2.30 a.m. driving away from the gas station, and Derek could be seen in the front passenger seat. According to the Charlie Project, Derek said that his Aunt Hattie dropped him off at a party, and then he went inside, and she was still sitting in her car. Now. This part of the story is part of the mystery because the timelines of what happened next don't seem to be publicly available. Now, although the local media in Virginia has covered Hattie's disappearance over the years, detailed information provided in the coverage is really, really scarce. According to Derek, he last saw Hattie when she dropped him off at a party. But in the days after she was last seen by her nephew, Hattie had not been seen or heard from by anyone else in her family. It's not clear how much time went by, but the first clear indication to Hattie's family that something was wrong was when she didn't show up for the bridal shower that she helped to plan. From the reporting, it seems like the bridal shower was being held that Saturday, May 16th. But like I said, that's not really clear. When Hattie didn't show up, her family knew that something was wrong because it was completely out of character for her to just not show up and then leave everybody else hanging. Now, this was 2009, so I assumed that Hattie had a cell phone and that I assumed that her family tried to call her and just didn't get a response. Now, Hattie also attended church regularly. And when that Sunday came and she also didn't show up for church, her family really began to worry that something was wrong. Hattie had been experiencing health issues since before retiring from the military, and she took several medications, and so they had no idea what could have happened to Hattie. They just knew that she would have not left on her own without telling anybody. So after days without any word from Hattie, her family reported her missing. After 18 years in the military and fighting the Gulf War, Hattie was now missing from the same place that she had grown up in. Did Hattie have an accident? Did she become disoriented and get lost somewhere? Or did someone have something to do with what happened to Hattie? Look, we've all been there. Seemingly out of nowhere, you get hit by an unexpected expense or bill. When that happens, it can feel like the weight of the world is coming down and it's normal to not know where to turn. Luckily, Upstart is here to help. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high-interest debt, all online, with simple and easy-to-understand payment terms. Upstart has helped over 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses— Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score, so rather than just looking at your credit score alone, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to find you a smart rate for your loan. You can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash girlgone. That's upstart.com slash girlgone to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts can be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash girlgone. In the early morning hours of May 16, 2009, 48-year-old Hattie Brown left her home to meet her nephew Derek at a local gas station. Surveillance captured Hattie and Derek around 2.30 a.m. in Hattie's car, and Derek claimed his aunt dropped him off at a party. The last time he saw her, she was sitting outside in her car. But after days went by and no one heard from Hattie, her family reported her missing. By early June, police had launched an investigation into Hattie's disappearance, but it was obvious early on that this was not going to be an easy case to solve. As part of their initial investigation, detectives searched Hattie's home, and it was discovered that Hattie had left her wallet with her ID and credit cards and her medication. Finding her wallet and medication told both Hattie's family and investigators that Hattie had not left on her own. Now It's unknown publicly at that point whether or not police knew that Derek was the last person to be seen with Hattie, but police spoke to several people close to Hattie as part of their investigation and no one knew anything about her disappearance. According to them, they interviewed several different people who may have been familiar with Hattie's movements in the days and hours before she vanished. They also collected evidence. Hattie had left behind her wallet with her credit cards, and so investigators checked her accounts to see if there had been any activity, but there was nothing. There had been no activity on Hattie's bank accounts or her credit cards. The fear that Hattie may have been in danger began to develop for everyone involved. The problem was, there was no evidence at all. Eventually, investigators learned about Derek and the fact that he was the last person to see Hattie. Derek denied any involvement in his aunt's disappearance and told them that the last time he saw her was when she dropped him off at the party. Investigators spoke to Derek several times in the weeks after Hattie went missing, and they had learned that he had a criminal past that involved destruction of property and burglary. But initially, he wasn't named as a suspect or a person of interest. For weeks, investigators searched for any trace of Hattie, but They couldn't find her or her silver Volkswagen. Hattie's family was worried about Hattie, but at the time, they were hopeful that she would be found safe. They knew that she wouldn't have been gone on her own, but they were still hoping that she was somewhere alive. Maybe someone was holding her captive, or maybe she had hit her head or had an accident and just couldn't remember who she was. Hattie's family thought of a million scenarios, but all of them ended with Hattie coming home alive. At the beginning, no news was good news. But eight weeks after Hattie disappeared, detectives received a break in the case, but it wasn't the one that they were hoping for. On July 7th, 2009, a farmer who owned a farm in Virgilina, Virginia, which is a small town that sits on the border of North Carolina and is about 15 miles from the sheets where Hattie picked up Derek, The farmer had been out that day cutting hay on his property when he found a burned-out vehicle hidden behind an abandoned barn. The vehicle had been burned beyond recognition and was just an empty, charred shell. There was absolutely no way to immediately determine what kind of car it was. Now, after finding the car, the farmer told his son, who then called the Halifax County Police Department, and they called the state police, who sent two detectives out to the scene. And the damage to the car meant that the chances of getting any physical evidence from it was slim. They were only able to identify the car by the VIN because there was nothing else identifiable about the vehicle. When detectives ran the VIN, they discovered that the car was Hattie's missing Volkswagen Jetta. The discovery of the car was the first big break after the discovery of their surveillance footage. But unfortunately, there was nothing that could be recovered from the car. The only thing that they knew for sure was that the car belonged to Hattie and that Hattie was not in the car and she was still missing. Detectives believed that the car had been there for a while and that whoever had left the car there was someone local who was familiar with that area and would have known that the location was abandoned and therefore knew that the car would go undetected for longer. When Hattie's family found out that the car had been found burned, the hope that they were keeping that Hattie was going to come home alive began to fade. They still had hope, however, that finding the car meant that Hattie was somewhere close, but initial searches of the area found nothing. Up until the point that the car was found, police had not named Derek a person of interest in Hattie's disappearance, but After her car was found, detectives announced that Derek Brown was officially named a person of interest in Hattie's disappearance. The detectives, however, did not say what evidence led them to that. In fact, aside from the articles that mention Derek being named as a person of interest, there isn't much information about Derek and his connection to her disappearance, aside from him being the last known person to have seen Hattie alive. Now, we do know that Derek was never charged with any crimes connected to Hattie's disappearance. In September 2009, investigators and a dive team returned to the location where Hattie's car had been found two months earlier to search the nearby waters. But after several hours of searching, they found nothing. After the discovery of the car, it seems like detectives just hit a dead end. They had named Derek a person of interest, but. That was it. He hadn't been arrested and Hattie was still missing. And so they were no closer to finding an answer than they were the day that Hattie was reported missing. For several months, there was no new information about Hattie's case. And by that time, there were multiple law enforcement agencies involved, including the Virginia State Police, and they were actively investigating Hattie's case. However, anything that they were doing and related to the investigation remained tight-lipped. For Hattie's family, the pain that they experienced not being able to find her was present for everyone, her sisters especially. The fact that their nephew was named a person of interest must have made the mystery and the tragedy of the situation much worse. In February 2010, eight months after Hattie vanished, Detectives issued a warrant for a woman named Crystal, who had failed to appear in court after being subpoenaed. Now, they never said who Crystal was or how she was related to Hattie's disappearance, but they believed that she had information and wanted to speak to her. Crystal eventually turned herself in, but whatever detectives learned, if anything, didn't help them locate Hattie. During a story about the search for Crystal in February 2010, Local ABC 13 spoke to Hattie's heartbroken sister, Diane, and she said this. Because right now, it's like we're the same we, we just don't know and never makes it so hard. For Diane and her family, Hattie missing with no answers was worse than her being dead. Hattie's family continued to do everything that they could to keep Hattie's memory alive. And the year after she went missing, they continued to search for Hattie. Derek who was never charged, eventually left the area, according to Hattie's family. And a $10,000 reward was announced by the Brown family in hopes that a reward would lead to new information, but sadly, it didn't help to encourage anyone to speak up. Two years after Hattie went missing, her family paid for a 15-foot billboard to go up in Halifax County. They were determined to do everything they could to find Hattie, even after two years with no information. As year three approached, Hattie's family decided to plan a fundraiser to raise money for a private investigator. After years with no new information, they believed that a private investigator may help them get the answers that they've been looking for. They held the fundraiser on Hattie's 51st birthday. What started out as a fundraiser soon became a way to honor Hattie year after year. Her family never imagined that they would spend so many years without their sister. In 2016, seven years after Hattie vanished, her family had her legally declared dead. It was a difficult choice, but they needed to do it in order to tie up Hattie's affairs. Although they said they had always held out hope that Hattie would come home, they held a memorial service for her anyway. They wanted to do something to honor her life and her memory in a formal way. Even though they still had many unanswered questions, it was a way for them to celebrate a life that had not been forgotten. The toll that Hattie's disappearance had on her family was devastating. But in 2013, three years before Hattie was declared dead, another Brown sibling went missing. This time, it was her brother, James Brown Jr. Now, very little information exists about James' disappearance. He was last seen on Thanksgiving Day in 2013 in Clover, Virginia, and he was never seen or heard from again. Investigators have said that his disappearance is not related to Hattie's. It's just a strange coincidence. But in the years since Hattie disappeared, her family of 12 siblings has lost several members including several of Hattie's brothers. Her sister Diane believes that they all died from a broken heart. And they all died not knowing what happened to their baby sister. It's now been 13 years since Hattie was last seen. Her parents and a number of her siblings have passed on, but those that are still here are still fighting to find out what happened to Hattie. Last year, her sister Patista spoke to ABC 13, and after 12 years, it had not gotten any easier. Because it's just very stressful. Every day you get up hoping that this is the day that someone will call and say that she's here or we think we have found the remains of your sister. Investigators on this case say that they need help from the public in order to solve this case. They have never released any information about Derek or why he was never arrested or charged after he was named a person of interest. Now, Derek was arrested and convicted for a 2016 assault and burglary and served a few years in prison for the crime. But as of today, we have no new information about Hattie's disappearance, and her case is cold. Even though Hattie never had any children of her own, she was someone whose family adored her and whose absence has broken them apart. Despite her being legally declared dead, her family still wants to know what happened and why. Detectives on Hattie's case have long said that there are people involved that have refused to talk to them and provide them with information, and they possibly have the keys. After 13 years, it's time to bring some closure to this family. So many of Hattie's family members have died without answers. As I said in the beginning of this story, there's not a lot of information about Hattie's disappearance, but her story still deserved to be told. An 18-year veteran of the U.S. Army, highly decorated, who fought in Operation Desert Storm, deserves for everyone to care that she's missing. Even after 13 years, and even with little details. Hattie Jackson would be 60 years old now. She's 5 foot 4 inches, and when she vanished, she weighed 155 pounds. Hattie was last seen at a Sheets gas station outside South Boston, Virginia, at 2.30 a.m. on May 16, 2009. The last person to see Hattie was her nephew, Derek Brown, who they still consider to be a person of interest. And investigators need more information in order to solve this case. If you have any information about the night that Hattie went missing or the circumstances of her disappearance, please contact the Halifax County Police Department or the Virginia State Police Department. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. It also helps our show grow. As always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Seeking the truth never gets old.